starting a uh, new series this morning across all the campuses called These Three Remain. And uh, this morning we're going to be talking about faith, which is the first one. But uh, if you've got your Bible apps or your Bible, or you, if you don't have anything here, you can uh, read it up on the screen. Looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 to 3. It says this, We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually, rem- rem- continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we remember before our God your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There was things about the church in Thessalonica, so this letter was written to a church, a church just like us in the first century and Paul the Apostle wrote this letter to them and when he was with them, He'd established the church and then he moved on, but he wrote to them and he's saying, there's some things I remember about you and about the church uh, that he couldn't forget. Um, And what he remembered about those things made him thankful. When he thought about the church there, when he thought about what God was doing there, it made him thankful. And Paul's gratitude, it didn't come because the Thessalonian Christians were morally perfect. Because when you, if you read the letter, and you, later on in the letter, he begins to instruct and correct the church in regards to some uh, things regarding uh, sexual impurity and, and sec- ideas about sexuality. So, you know, mo- it wasn't a morally perfect church. Um, and it wasn't because they were completely accurate in their doctrine either, their, their belief about God and their understanding, because... If you read the letter, he also goes on to correct some of their wrong ideas and their thoughts about Jesus and about God. So it wasn't because the ch- he wasn't thankful and he wasn't encouraged because the church was morally perfect and not because they had their doctrine and their theology all lined up and correct. Despite these problems, Paul was grateful to God because when he thought about what God was doing, he saw an undeniable move of God or God's grace in the lives of the people that were in that church. They weren't perfect. They didn't have everything together, but he saw and could not deny and was thankful that God was at work in their lives and in the church. That's what he remembered and that's what he was thankful for. And that the three great virtues of Christianity, he could see them at work in their lives and in the life of the church. He saw faith, he saw hope and he saw love evident in the church and that made him rejoice, that made him thankful that God was at work and, and doing things in their life. So this morning I want to talk about, about faith and exercising or, or, or seeing faith evident. As a pastor, what you want to see in the lives of the people in the church is not just necessarily perfection, but down here. Oh, yeah, I don't need that. Oh, well, I've got these signals happening. I'm like, there we go. <laughs> oh, that's better. Um, forgot I had that on. <laughs> Faith. 
Um, as a pastor, what you look for is, is the grace of God developing in people's lives. Not perfection, not necessarily you know, understanding everything there is about God and about the Bible because I don't even understand everything there is about God and the Bible. So I don't expect that. You don't look for that. But what you look for is the undeniable grace of God at work in people's lives. You see these things developing. You see faith developing, hope in God and, and hope for the future that's not dependent upon circumstances but on something beyond that and, and love that is beyond just our natural love for people that we like but goes beyond that. Those things developing shows that God is at work. God is at work in our lives and in our church community as well. So, you know, we, when it comes to faith, we, we exercise a type of faith every day in our lives. When you drink a cup of coffee, you're exercising an element of faith. You're trusting that that's not poisonous. You're trusting the barista that, you know, that, that they've made it and it's not going to kill you. That's a level of faith. You, every time you climb up a ladder, you're putting faith in the manufacturer <laughs> or that ladder that it's not going to fall and you're not going to fall to your death. Every day we're exercising types of faith. When you get in your car and you drive down, your, down the road, you're exercising a level of faith in the drivers around you that they're not going to crash into you, that they've got an element of skill and ability that's going to allow you to get to where you want to go. Now, sometimes that faith is <laughs> misguided. <laughs> but the reality is we are exercising a type of faith every time we get out of bed, every time we go to work. Um, the reality is, though, that, that this type of faith comes from our judgment, if you like, that comes from what we see and some of our experiences. So we, we see the ladder or we see the person make the coffee or we look around us and we think, we make a judgment call, yeah, it's okay for me to, to head out. Um, but when it comes to God, we can't see him. So this kind of faith is not going to work putting our faith in God in what we see. And so we need another type of faith when it comes to faith in God. It's not just by what we see, it's not by the circumstances we see around us because sometimes if we judge whether God's good or whether he's there or whether he's helpful just by what's going on around us, we can also be misguided in our understanding of who God is and what he's like. And so Romans 10.17 tells us this, So faith comes... So if we're going to have faith in God, it doesn't come because we can see God, we can see him at work, we can see what he's doing and therefore we go, yeah, I can trust God. It says, so faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So how does faith in God come? It comes through the word of God. That's why every Sunday we preach God's word because God's word being heard develops faith in our heart, plants seeds of faith to believe God, to believe his promises, to believe who he is, is what he said, who he says he is, is who he is. When we're here and we're listening to the word of God preached, seeds are being planted in your heart to believe God. That's how faith comes. That's how you believe God. You may not see him at work right now. In fact, sometimes, like I said, you can look and go, and as a pastor, you're talking and dealing with people at different times, going through difficult times or circumstances or unsaved people and say, how can you believe that God's good? Look at this or look at that or look, look here. And sometimes you don't have an answer for that because if you just look at the external circumstance, you can go, well, I don't 
know why, but I don't believe and trust in God and put my faith and my love and my devotion towards him because I necessarily see good things happening, but because I know in my heart I've had an encounter. Something has come. I don't see him with the eyes of my natural eyes, but as the Bible says, the eyes of my heart have been given understanding that I know that God is good. Therefore, I can put my trust in him despite what I'm seeing going on around me. That's how faith comes. So faith, faith is produced through the word of God. Faith for salvation. You can't give your life to Christ if you've never heard someone preach or never heard the word of God or or had an encounter or whatever from God. Faith for salvation comes through the word. Faith for healing. Faith for recovery. Faith for prosperity. Faith for a better life. That all comes as we hear God's word preached or we read it in the Bible or we listen to a podcast or, or watch a show that is preaching the word of God. As we do that, seeds of faith are coming into our heart so that we can believe, despite sometimes what we actually see going on in our circumstances. So having faith means realising and trusting that God is bigger, greater and more powerful and has a better way than me and he loves me greatly. Proverbs 14.12 says this, There is a path before each person that seems right. Everyone say it seems right. But it ends in death. Or it ends in disaster, another translation says. And that's the problem with relying on ourselves and our own judgment all the time. Sometimes we're wrong. And put your hand up if you've never been wrong. (laughs) We'll pray for you. Not only are you blind, (laughs) but you're not living in reality. So there's a path, the Bible says sometimes there's a path that you think's right, but it's actually leading the wrong direction. But you think it's right. So human intuition is not always reliable. It is good. You know, oftentimes we do live by our gut. You know, my gut tells me that I should do this or I should do that. and, And that can be the Holy Spirit leading us, directing us, but not always. So genuine faith comes where sometimes what God's asking us to do actually is counterintuitive or, or counter to what we feel like we should be doing. Tithing is an example of that. We might look at our finances and go, it makes no sense to give 10% of my income to God because then look at my budget. But we don't give because it makes sense financially. We give because we've either heard about it, we've read it in the Bible and that seed has come alive in our heart and we give by faith, trusting that God's word works, despite sometimes what it looks like on the outside. When it comes to healing, sometimes if you just look at your circumstance or if you look at your body or you look at the doctor's report or you, you look at what someone is saying, then you can go, um, I'm going to die or this is never going to change. But we don't believe God and pray after the person's healed. We exercise faith before and then see the manifestation of that promise, just as Florence was testifying to this morning about about healing. So genuine faith is relying on God's word, God's direction, God's 
way, if you like, rather than always relying on our way and the way we want to do it. Because oftentimes, unfortunately, we think we know best. Anyone like that? (laughs) And we're okay to go with God and God's word and God's way when his way lines up with our way. It's like, oh yeah, look, we agree. I'm happy to go that way. The challenge and the test comes when those two paths diverge. And then God say, no, this is the way. And you're like, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's the way. I think this is the way. And at that point, you've got a decision to make. Am I going to trust God? And am I going to believe what he says, that his promises are true, despite what it may look like in the natural, despite my, what the circumstances may be telling my senses, that's not what I should be doing. At that point, if we have faith being generated in our heart, then we are empowered to choose God's way over our way. To say, you know what, no, I know it looks that way, but I know, I know something inside of me. I know something about God. I know God's good. I know his promises never fail. I know he's always there for me. And despite what it looks like, and despite my feeling like that's the way to go, I'm actually going to go this way and I'm going to trust him. That's what faith is. Faith is not just God following our direction and and our way and what we want to do and blessing our decisions. It's saying, God, you know better. And my intuition isn't always right. Um, Our way, we want to use our logic. We want to look good. We don't want to look bad in the process and we don't want to take any risk. So, I want, to, I, I want to look good. I want it to be easy. I don't want to have to take any risks and I want to follow you, God. <laughs> but then when we read the Gospels and we look at the disciples, we see that that's not always the case. So, God wants us to grow in faith. This is part of one of the elements, one of the virtues that God wants to develop in our life. And you only develop faith as you exercise faith. And faith is only exercised when you step out believing God despite what the thing may look like. If you step out saying, I know this is going to work. This is comfortable. This is good. This is easy. You're probably not exercising faith. If you think, you know, I can make this happen. I don't need God to make this happen. You're probably not exercising faith. But when you're in a situation or a circumstance or God's asking you to do something that is beyond your skill or capability or time frame or financial reserve and he's saying, I want you to do this. I want you to take this on. I want you to step out. You go, how is that ever going to happen? I can't see how that can happen with my logic. And, but you know God's saying, this is the way I want you to go. There's a divergence right there of what I think I should be doing, what God's asking me to do. And we make a decision at that point. And as faith develops in our heart, we step out, we begin to trust God and a whole new journey begins when you're walking by faith. When you're out there on the water, like the Apostle Peter, 
It was, it was great while he was in the boat. You know, the storm's going and he's like, hey, I want to walk on the water. He steps out of that boat, if you know the story, and all of a sudden those waves were 10 times bigger once he was on the water because it says he then saw the waves and the wind. He knew they were there before, but he didn't, re- didn't realise how, how bad it was when they were in the boat. But as soon as he was walking by faith, trusting in Jesus, out on the water beyond his control and beyond his logic, hey, I'm walking on the water, this doesn't make sense. And it says he began to sink because he saw the, the waves and the wind. Isn't it amazing? Because he saw the circumstances, he began to sink and lose faith in God. Yet, how still does it have to be to walk on water? Like if there was no wind and no waves, could he go, hey, yeah, now's the day. Let's go. And the wind had absolutely nothing to do with his ability to walk on water. It was his faith in God. But those circumstances took his attention away from his reliance on God. And the Bible says he began to sink and cried out. That's exactly what happens to us. We step out. We start trusting God. We're believing financially or we're believing for something that he's called us to do, whether it's a ministry or get involved in something or, or do something, even though our time is short right now, but we feel in calling us to get involved. It's going to take a chunk of time. We're like, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. And we begin to step out and then all these things come in and we go, oh, I can't do this. But you couldn't do it in the first place. That's the whole idea about walking by faith, where you have to trust in God. You right there, Lee? (laughs) Um, So I want to look at two things that faith produces in our lives from that scripture we looked at in 1 Thessalonians. What the two things that begin to grow and develop in our life that shows that faith is developing, that Paul recognises. So number one... He says, faith produces change. If we look back at that scripture, it says, continually remember before our God your work produced by faith. So faith, faith produces change. One, uh, Colossians 1.6 says this, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere. How? By changing lives. How do we know that the gospel's bearing fruit? Because lives are being changed. Just as it changed your life from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Faith brings change. It brings change in our life. It brings change to the circumstances of our life. It brings change to the environment around us. It brings change to our community. Because faith brings change. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. We are here to change lives. Jesus came that lives might be changed by the power of God. That our worldview is changed. That our decisions are changed. That the way we invest our time, energy and money changes because Jesus has changed our life. Jesus doesn't come into our life, oh yeah, thank you God, I'm a Christian now and we just keep living our life exactly the same as we lived it before. Doesn't impact our decision making, doesn't impact our our distribution of time, doesn't impact our financial world in any way, shape or form. 
if, if it doesn't impact our life, we don't have faith. Jesus Christ has not come into our life. We may have adopted some Jesus or some religious activities or, or some kind of uh, religious um, practices, but when Jesus Christ comes into our life, things change. Things change because the Bible says they change. And so we've got to ask ourselves, does our faith in Jesus change the way we live our life? Or do we just go to church on Sundays and then go off and live our lives? And lots of people do that. Go to a church service, then go off, and it has no impact in their world whatsoever. It's just, it's just cultural. It's just tradition. Oh, I go to church on Sundays, but the way I think about the world, the way I think about my life, the way I think about my resources is not impacted at all. Jesus Christ brings change. And so I ask you, did Jesus change the way you live? And my second question is, does he still? Does he still change the way you live your life? Because the scripture says there, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it. What does that mean? It means it continues to challenge us. It continues to stir us. It continues to work in our world, challenging and changing and inspiring the way we live our lives. Not like I got saved 20 years ago and man, it radically changed my life. But not anymore. Because <laughs> now I'm married. And now I've got a mortgage. And I've got a bigger job now. I've got more responsibilities. So you know, back then I, I had all this stuff I could give. But now, not now. So yes, it changed my life, but is it changing your life today? Today is Jesus doing something in your world. Is today Jesus challenging the way you decide about what you do with your time, your energy and your money? Today, that's the fruit of faith. That's the fruit that God's at work. And that's the fruit that he is still. As uh, Philippians 1.6 says, he begun a good work, he will see it under completion. He's begun a good work. In this church, he's begun a good work. This is just the beginning. Just the start of what he wants to do. Just the beginning, the seeds, the embryo, if you like, of God's plan and purpose for this church in this area. Just beginning. That is good. Yeah, let's, let's give a lot of hand. <laughs> Come on, you've got to help me when I preach. It's, this is not a show. <laughs> this is a two-way interaction. Um, so number one, faith produces change. Number two, faith produces action. Everyone say action. Because <laughs> the scripture says, I remember your work produced by faith. Faith is something that can be seen. Say, oh yeah, I've got faith. Show it to me. Where is faith at work in your life? I just believe that God's up there somewhere and, you know, he's looking after me. That's not faith. Faith is evident through action. Faith has feet. Faith has hands. Faith has a body. When Jesus Christ, when faith grows in our heart, we begin to do things differently. 
faith can be seen. James James 2.17 says this. I think it's the message translation. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn... If you learn all the right words, but never do anything. Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? If you don't want to be challenged, don't read the book of James. <laughs> it's full of that stuff. Dear friends, he's, he's telling the church... This is the original church in Jerusalem whom he was the pastor of. He's talking to the new Christians, the new believers, just accepted Jesus Christ into their lives from a religious community, the the Jews, who were big into practices, big into rituals, big into, into, if you read the Old Testament, laws and, and all these intricacies of their faith. And then James says, Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but you don't do anything. Does merely talking about faith indicate that you've got it? True faith is more than just an affirmation of the truth. True faith is a demonstration of the truth. It can be seen in our life, it can be seen in other people's lives and it has to be seen in the church by what we do, by what we're involved in. True faith inspires action. I want to do something with what God's done in my life and in our church. If we're not inspired to make a difference, if we're not inspired to to go out there and bring change, then faith is not evident in our midst. Anyone feeling stirred this morning? (laughs) Because as a church, we want to have an impact. We want to bring change. And for, for Jesus and God's plan for this church and, and for this area, we're not going to do it in our own strength. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money to do what God wants us to do. That's why we have to be praying. We have to be walking by faith, trusting that the all-sufficient one, the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one is at work in our midst and in our lives, bringing about the impossible into the possible, making things happen because he said he would. When we're living like that, when we're acting like that, when we're stepping out in that, we'll see incredible miracles taking place in our midst, seeing this place filled to capacity on a Sunday, seeing lives changed every week, people coming to Christ, people being healed, lives being recovered from addictions and, and, uh, and everything else that goes on. True faith inspires action. And my second question, oh, not question, uh, two things that faith produces, faith produces change, faith produces action, and this is the way action normally works. I'm probably going to be about another five minutes. <laughs> it's going to give me the Grammys music. <laughs> Just gets louder and louder. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Okay, I want to give. I'm going to make it really fast. I've got a couple of minutes here, but the six phases of action 
the six phases of stepping out in God. And this happens, it's in the scriptures and it happens over and over again. I've seen it in my own life, seen it in the life of our church, seen it in the lives of other people. That when you begin to walk by faith, when you begin to trust God and you step out, it's not always easy. It doesn't always just happen because Jesus is there. Let me give you the six phases of being inspired or getting a dream or a vision from God or God speaking to our heart about stepping out. This is what happens. Phase number one is the dream. God gives you the dream, an idea, a goal, an ambition, like on a morning like this, hearing about stepping out, hearing about trusting God, take, walk, taking steps of faith. God begins to speak to our heart. You can do this. You can do that. I want you to do this. I want you to get involved in that. Things start popping in an atmosphere of faith. God's voice starts speaking to our heart. So the idea, the goal, the ambition comes. Every great accomplishment first came with a God-given dream, a God-given idea, something that sits in someone's heart. God is able to do far more, the Bible says, than we would ever dare to ask or even dream, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts or hopes, it says in Ephesians chapter 3. He is able to do immeasurably more. But what he's looking for is a willing heart, a willing person that says, hey, I'm going to step out. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to be the vehicle to see this thing come to pass. I'm going to be the embodiment of that dream, that desire, that goal, that hope that God has for that person, that community, that area, that, those group of people, that demographic, that country, whatever it is. That's the way it starts with a dream. Phase number two, you've got to make a decision. A dream is worthless until we decide we're going to do it. Lots of people have dreams, ideas about, oh, this should happen, that should happen. Many, many people, very few actually decide I'm going to do something about it. For every 10 dreamers, there's probably one person that says, I'm going to make this happen. For every idea, every thought. And it doesn't mean that we need to act on every idea, every thought, everything that comes, but sometimes something sits in your heart and you know it's from God. And the reality is most of us are too busy, too tired, uh, too distracted uh, or whatever to actually act on it. We go, I just can't do that, God, and we let it go. So we make a decision. Uh, James 1.6 says this, if you want to walk on water, oh no, he doesn't say that, he says, you must believe and not doubt. A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. He shouldn't expect anything from God. So when we make a decision, it's the, it's the time where we decide to invest our money or our energy, we invest our reputation, we let go of our security and say, I'm stepping out of the boat, I'm going to walk on the water, I'm going to trust God. That's where faith is active. That's where, faith, that's where the miracles occur, out on the water, not in the boat. So we, we make a decision, I'm going to step out. Phase three, I love this phase, the delay. There's always a time lapse between the, when you receive the word, you decide to step out, and then the reality of it coming to pass. You know, I went to Bible college in 1989, and the Lord spoke to me on numerous occasions with prophecies and spoke to me directly that I was going to pastor a church one day. In fact, he did spoke to me about that earlier, which is one of the reasons I was in Bible college and in 1989 and had all these prophecies and all this, and I'm going, man, this is happening, I'm ready to go. We started this church 12 years later. 12 years later. I was over it by then. <laughs> so there's a delay. But listen to this in Habakkuk 2.3. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely. 
The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Don't give up. Don't let go. Keep holding on. Keep trusting God. Because the delay doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. The delay means you're right on track with God's purpose and plan. Phase four, the difficulty. Now the problems start arising. It doesn't seem like it's happening. There's a delay. Now it's getting harder. Things are happening that seem like, oh, it's never going to happen. The problems start popping up. Two of the most common types. The critics start arriving. That's never going to happen. You started that and it's not happening. You'll never be able to do that. You're hopeless at that. This is not going to work. And the other one, the circumstances start rising up against you, like the walls of Jericho. If you know that story, God says, go in and take the city. They rock up and the walls are 10 metres high, 10 metres thick. Impossible. Problems. But the problems are not there to stop us. The problems are there to develop faith in God who is able to do the impossible. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says this, At the present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith. (laughs) That was cut off in my words. When things start getting difficult, you're right on track. You're right on track to see God move in your life because this is the phase of the fulfilment of God's purpose and plans in our life. This is how it works because God's not just interested in the final product. He's interested in developing our faith and our trust, our perseverance, our hope and our ability to believe God despite circumstances. God is more interested in what's going on on the inside of our life than what's happening on the outside. And he will use circumstances and people and situations to cause us to trust and and grow in our ability to believe God. So difficulties are there on purpose. And if you look at them that way, it'll change your perspective. Phase five, then you come to the dead end. (laughs) So not only does it get difficult, then it's impossible. The situation will deteriorate from difficult to impossible. You get backed into a corner, you reach the end of yourself, you reach the end of your rope, you get to a point where it says this is hopeless. This is never going to happen. This is never going to work. This is never going to come to pass. At that time, you're completely overwhelmed. And yet, beyond the circumstances, beyond what it looks like, God encourages us to reach out to him, to continue to believe, to no longer put our faith in our ability and our circumstances and what we, what we can see going on, but to no longer live by sight, but to live by faith in him. Because you're at a dead end. And phase six, and I'll finish with this. The deliverance. God provides a supernatural answer, a miraculous turnaround of events where things begin to happen. Things turn around. God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. God loves to take things that have died and bring them to life. 
because then he gets the glory. He gets the acknowledgement. It's no longer we made this happen. It's God, you are amazing. God, you are incredible. God, you've brought about this resurrection. Psalm 27 verse 13 says this, I expect the Lord to deliver me once again so I will see his goodness to me. I expect the Lord to deliver me once again. Once again, God was there. Once again, he brought me through. Once again, he changed an impossible situation. A financial disaster, a doctor's report. A family that's fallen apart. A marriage that's no longer working. A a career that seems to have come to a dead end. All these things that we face, that we deal with, that are going on in our world. Jesus wants to move. He wants to bring about resurrection. He wants to develop a trust and a faith in him that is able to walk on water, is able to rely despite the circumstances, the challenges and the things that are going on. Uh, it's the first Sunday of the month and what I've asked the attendants is I want us to take communion this morning with uh, this message and this idea in our hearts and minds. Because communion represents death or life coming from death. Resurrection coming out of crucifixion. Transformation coming out of hopelessness or chaos. No matter what's going on in your world or in your circumstances right now, God wants to move in your world, in your life and in your circumstances to bring about a tremendous glory, a t- tremendous testimony, an, in- an incredible occasion of praise because he is a God who is able to do impossible, the impossible situation, the impossible turnaround. Yeah, just begin to distribute that. Just while communion is being distributed, I want to I want to pray for anybody here this morning that feels like you're in that place right now, and I don't know what's going on in everybody's world, but but you're at an impasse right here, right now. You're at phase five. (laughs) It seems like it's a dead end. It's not going anywhere. It's over. It's finished. There's no hope anymore. I can't continue. If you're in that phase right here, right now, I'd love to pray for you. And so if you'd be so bold, I... If that's you, if you just put up your hand and say, you know what, that's me right now. It doesn't matter if there's one or maybe there's no one. Thank, Thanks, Virginia. Anybody else? You say, yeah, I, I'm facing that kind of situation right now. Could be in work. Thank you. Anybody else? Could be a relationship. Could be an 
don't know, a circumstance, could be something that's going on in your world, something you've been believing or you feel like God spoke to you about that you think that's never going to happen. That's impossible. Thank you. Anybody else? Why don't you guys just come out here right now? We're going to pray for you.